Ashley Brooke and Ryan Chambers married on September 13th, 2014 in Florida. You may know of Ashley. She's a popular beauty and lifestyle blogger who shares helpful tips with her followers for living a full life. Her photos are stunning and her life can seem very aspirational. Today, we'll dive into their life behind the lens. Ashley and Ryan's life is much more than a pretty picture. These two are madly in love and deeply committed. And if you follow them on Instagram, this is clear to see. But what you don't see is their story before Instagram. Ashley was previously married. Life as it goes is full of ups and downs. And if you've listened to any of our other episodes, you already know this. And both of our guests today are no stranger to heartbreak and facing unexpected hurdles. On the episode today, we explore love, marriage, and the fact that sometimes we don't get it right the first time, and that's okay. I love this story and their relationship because together they've grown and come out on the other side stronger and closer than ever. Their story shows us the power of love and how finding the right partner can get you through anything. This is their story. I was so serious about getting healthy because I just knew trust was going to be really hard for me. And it was just a lot of mess that kind of happens when something like an affair happens. Kind of sticks with you for a while and I just refuse to let it rule the rest of my life. As you all know, we tend to begin our episodes by talking to our couple about the start of their relationship. How did it begin? What was it like in the early days of getting to know each other? And so on. But this story, Ashley and Ryan's, and especially Ashley's, has a bit of a different start. You see, Ashley and Ryan first met in 2008, more than 10 years ago. They shared a lot of mutual friends, and they attended the same church on a weekly basis together. At the time, Ashley was dating her college boyfriend. She was in love, and the two of them married the following year in 2009. Despite Ashley's relationship status at the time of their initial meeting, Ryan still clearly remembers when they met. Gosh, that was a great day. Um, Such a long time ago. I know, I know. So the day that I met Ashley, we we had all these mutual friends. And so there was a party one night in downtown Orlando at someone's house. And so I kind of just show up early. I don't even know why I was there, but you were just leaving. You didn't stay for the party. And no, I don't know what I was doing there. I, think yeah. I dropped off something and left. <laughs> we exchanged like two words together and someone introduced us. And I just, I I kept thinking to myself, God, where... Where are girls like this? Where have they been all my life? And so, I don't know. She just kind of stuck in my mind. I remember the color shirt she was wearing. It was like a blue shirt, and she had long blonde hair. That's the nicest thing ever. I don't remember anything. <laughs> but I literally prayed that prayer that day, which was just, God, you know, if there's another girl out there like that, help me to find her. And I was really hoping to meet Ashley again sometime, but I don't, I don't think I saw you for another, like, six months or so. I think you're right. Yeah. And Ashley, do you remember meeting Ryan? I do remember meeting him, but it was so briefly. And I was in a relationship at the time. So it was just very like, hi, nice to meet you. Da 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 da. Bye. Like, I think I dropped off some wine at the party. I think that's what I was there for and left. And that was that was it. And every time we bumped into each other after that, it was just kind of like, hi, bye. And that was pretty yeah. much it. I mean, we were both with, you know, different people each time we saw each other after that. And so when... I found out that you're with someone else. Obviously, both of us had guards up to be respectful and, and things like that. So, yeah, it was just acquaintances for about five years. So, Ashley, tell me about—you were in a relationship at the time. Tell me about yes. how that went. Yes, I was. And actually, the night I met Ryan, I was actually engaged. 
So shortly after I first met Ryan, I got married. And I married my college boyfriend. We were married for three years. Unfortunately, it didn't end well. I had found out he had an affair and was interested in not being married anymore, which was super devastating to me. I really, really badly wanted that to work out and tried very hard to make it work. And it was just very clear it wasn't. So, gosh, that was just—it was a really hard time. And—but also— what a sweet gift to be able to get Ryan after such a a tough season. And can you tell me, how did you grow as a person before you met Ryan? And then how did he come into your life and change that? So for me, I was, well, when the affair happened and the divorce happened and all this real life, not fun, not fairy tale stuff happened, I was kind of at ground zero, honestly. And the only way I knew—well, I knew I wanted to love again, and I really loved being married. And I know it sounds crazy, but I just—I love love. And I knew this was going to always be part of my story, unfortunately. And I know I don't get to pick these things, but I just didn't want it to be my story. I wanted it to be part of my story. The only way I knew how to, like, kind of turn it from my story as, like, this horrible thing happened to me as in— okay, these things happened during my 20s or or whatever, uh, just to be a more of like a life thing. I went very heavy into counseling. <laughs> so I went to, man, I was there. I went twice a week. I was so serious about getting healthy because I just knew trust was going to be really hard for me. And it was just a lot of a lot of mess that kind of happens when something like an affair happens kind of sticks with you for a while. And I just refused to let it rule the rest of my life. And so I really tried very, very hard to get healthy. And I think that was a huge part of it was just going headfirst into trying. And Ryan, in between you first meeting Ashley and you guys getting together, what was your life like? What had you gone through? <laughs> Goodness. That's always a long story. But no, you know, my life was good. It was probably punctuated by, for me at the time, a few early on health issues. And so I'd had some ups and downs with that. And, you know, for me, I was just kind of out there working, young professional, had, you know, dated, had a few serious relationships. And prior to dating Ashley, had just gotten out of a pretty serious relationship where where I thought it would end up in marriage. And then it just, you know, didn't go there. And that's okay. And that happens. But when it came time, when Ashley and I finally started dating, it was like, I think I was ready to meet that person. I felt like I had learned a lot of personal lessons and lessons on how to love someone well, learned the hard way in many cases, but I was really excited to be able to to love her well. And so I, I kind of went into our relationship with those lessons learned. So you guys met over 10 years ago. How did you finally reconnect? This is kind of a funny story. So we knew each other, obviously, of each other. We really probably had spoken, like, two full sentences in those five years, maybe. And just so happens this really cute couple move in next door. The wife has, like, a very southern accent. She's from Louisiana. And so I assume they're both from Louisiana. They move in. We become really close friends. Just so happens that this—they have the same last name as Ryan, I mean, our last name is pretty generic. So not generic, but it's 
I mean, chambers. I mean, it's not like— Yeah, it's not purely uncommon. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, are you related to— So it just didn't even occur to me, also because Ryan just wasn't on my brain, that they would be related. And one day I I was walking up to my apartment at the time, and Ryan was, like, carrying groceries. Or I was carrying groceries, and you were in the hallway. And I was like, oh, my gosh, why is he here? This is so weird. And I'm like, hi, why are you here? And he goes, because my brother lives here. I'm like, no, 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 Kirk lives here. And he's like, yeah, Kirk is my brother. It's like, oh, my gosh. You barely believe me. I know. I was like, this is so creepy. And then pretty much after, they kind of had it out to get us together. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) They were on a mission. And I was like, let's not ever date again. I was still on the, okay, this is going to be a while. And... I'm not interested in dating. I was going on dates because I knew I had to, like, kind of rip the Band-Aid off and just go, which was, well, you just have to rip the Band-Aid off. You just got to do it. So I did, but I wasn't ready to, like, date for real, for real. And they were just like, oh, you should date Ryan. We want to, you know, hook you guys up and da-da-da-da. And I was like, this is the worst idea ever. So anyways, cut forward to a few months, still think this is a terrible decision, They end up having a baby and name me the godmother, which is hilarious. So I'm like part of their family already without being part of their family. So it's so funny because my best friend Bradley, who is now my sister-in-law, which is like so great. She and her husband, Kirk, they move, Ryan's brother, they move to Charleston. And obviously the baby goes with them. And I offer one weekend once they move, which is like a week A week after, I just said, like, let me come and I'll watch the baby for the weekend. And then the two of you can just kind of move in. I'll just take the baby. And they were like, that's such a great idea. And then, like, that's such a great idea. Click. They call Ryan right afterwards. Yeah, my brother Kirk calls and says, dude, I know you've kind of had a hard time recently. And I just really think that you should come up and hang out with us. And by the way, Ashley's coming up this weekend. (laughs) And I'm like, well. They're so sneaky. I'm like, well. You know, I don't even have a car that that can make the drive to Charleston. Literally, my car would not have made the drive. And so he said, no worries. Um, you can ride with Ashley. She's totally cool with it. They hadn't and, told me it, and I was not cool with it. And I was like, are you sure about that? I, I mean, I, I, I know Ashley a little bit. It just seems like maybe it's not the best idea to put, you know— you know, her, she in the car with me, you know, I'm kind of like coming off of this relationship and, and she's, you know, coming off of what she had gone through. And so yeah, it was I, a terrible I, Maybe idea. this is not a good idea to put these just two, in my mind, I, th- I thought just we're just two emotionally vulnerable people. We're, <laughs> we're going to get together and make a mistake. And that's what I thought. <laughs> You're terrible. That is not what I thought. I thought I was going to kick you out of the car within like the first five minutes. But yeah, they called and said, hey, by the way. Ryan would love to ride up with you. And I was, I'm was i pretty sure I burst into tears because I was like, this is the world's longest first date ever. I'm going to be stuck with this person, not only for five hours on the drive up, which sounds terrible, but also five hours on the drive back. And then all weekend, this is so unfair. And I'm an introvert. So I just thought, I can't keep a date going for five hours. <laughs> this is How am I going to do this? It was terrible. And I, they— I did call and ask if it was okay— and you were really polite, and you said, "Yeah, of course. Come on." Keep behind tears. So I showed up. <laughs> I showed up the next morning at five thirty in the morning with Starbucks. Yeah, you did. But I told, and I was so upset. And I told Bradley and Kirk. I said, "I was so upset." And they said to me, "What's the worst that happened? Like you marry him?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's the worst." And your that dad. Could happen. Your dad said the same thing. My dad said the him. same thing. 
Yeah, because I was just a baby and called everyone and was like, isn't this the hor- most horrible idea you've ever heard? And everyone's like, what's the worst that could happen? I consulted a couple of friends and they just <laughs> said, well, she's really cute. So you're an idiot if you don't go. So we went. Yeah. So how's the car? I mean, this sounds like worst case scenario. It was. It was terrible. I was and sweating the whole time. I'm sweating now, but I was really sweating then. So how was the car ride? The way up, I thought it was horrible. And I was just falling in love the entire <laughs> time, literally. But I had like walls up. I was boxed in a big box and just had walls everywhere. Just kind of like, mm. I was picking. I was picking apart everybody. So I was. Just, by the time we were on our way home, I realized why we were in the car together. I was so nervous. Like, I can't explain to you how nervous I was. So, and I knew you were just the type of person that, like, I had prayed for after every, like, after everything had happened. And I just was like, oh, my gosh, like, is there a person like this out there that can help kind of change how I feel about all these things? And, and you, he was just it. And so it scared me because I just knew that if we started dating, it wasn't going to be like oh, we'll go on like a couple of dates and that'll be it. Like he wasn't that type of person. And I could already tell you were like, he was pretty serious. And so it made me nervous. Yeah, I think I was honestly at that stage as my young self at the time, I was like done with the games, at least as far as dating goes. Because I I dated, made some mistakes and tried. And, you know, you get to that point where you're just like, you know what, this is my dream girl. And and I'm going to do whatever I can to make this happen. That's the nicest thing. Well, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I know. I might cry too. So you guys start dating mm-hmm. after everyone forces you two together. Yeah. <laughs> so how was dating? And when did you know you were ready to propose? Goodness, how was dating? Dating was amazing. <laughs> it really was. You're being nice. Dating was good. It was amazing. It was amazing. It really was. It was hard, but it was good. So we, I was in the in the process of studying for a professional certification, my broker's license. And so I'd said that I wasn't going to ask her out officially, like take her on a, a you know an official date until I had passed this exam. And so I wasn't exactly true to that. And so I asked her for to a lunch date, like a brunch date on a Saturday. <laughs> Because I couldn't wait. I couldn't even stick with my own commitment. But I was glad that I did. And then I finally passed the exam. And we went on our first date on June 22nd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we pretty much were like pretty serious. Not pretty serious, but we were, you know, definitely dating after that. You fought it a little bit. It took, yeah. it took a little while for you to admit to it. So, I, I, you know, a lot of times a girl in a relationship has to be the one that has the DTR. <laughs> and kind of like throws down the gauntlet, but I had to do it in this case because <laughs> I refuse to let I, you call me your girlfriend or hold your hand in public or. So yeah, one night I went over to her house after leaving work, and we, they were planning for my company a, a 40th anniversary party, like this massive party, and everybody was talking about their plus ones. And so these two girls that I worked with, as I'm walking out, they're like, "Are you bringing your girlfriend?" And I thought, "Is she my girlfriend?" <laughs> I would like her to be. So, yes, I'm bringing her. And so I went straight to your house and said, what's the deal? We got to decide what we are right now. Yeah, you said you can't come if I can't introduce you as my girlfriend. <laughs> you, like, threw down an ultimatum. I'm pretty sure you were some sort of that. Some sort, Not, like, in a mean way, but just in a, come on, we've been dating for three months now. Mm-hmm. I should be able to call you my girlfriend. And I was like, okay, fine. 
I'll go. We were spending like every waking moment together. Yes. So. We were falling it in felt love. Fair. Yeah, it was totally fair. It really wasn't an ultimatum. It was just like, Ashley, it's it's time. I let you like pretend we weren't dating for long enough. <laughs> when did you Ashley, when did you feel like your walls finally started to come down around Ryan? Was there a moment? I think just that was one of them. I would say that was definitely one of them because one of the most magical things about us dating and, and Ryan in general is that he always gives me what I need, but not more. So you you just know me really well, or you're just very like observant or just tuned in. I'm I'm not sure, but you always give me enough room. And then you're like, okay, you're strong enough now. So that's pretty much what I feel like you did our whole our whole dating relationship. Like with the girlfriend boyfriend thing, you're like, okay, I've given you enough space. Like I think that you want this too, and you're you're just being you're just scared, you know. And he was always right. I was just being stubborn, really, more than anything. So I do you agree that you're being stubborn? <laughs> well, not that. I mean, do you agree with any of that in general? Yeah, yeah. You always give me an. More than enough, but not more. Yeah. Try. Yeah, you're really good. So I feel like that's pretty much when he said that, I was like, okay, he's, I feel like he gets me. And then early on in our relationship, you did tell me like, I'm, you know, I'm very serious about you and about us. And I'm happy to go to counseling whenever you want me to come. And I think he knew that, and that was pretty early on, like maybe six months into dating and I think he knew that for me, I needed him in that room for so many different reasons. But it took me a little while to say okay to that. But that was, I think, a huge turning point was when he was like, I'm, you know, I, I want to do this with you and I want to be the best I can for you and vice versa. And we can only do that if we do this together. That's huge. Yeah. I felt like it would. I don't know, sort of build that trust between us because, I mean, just from our relationship so far, I knew how valuable counseling had been to pulling you out of that really tumultuous period in the beginning and that I had your counseling to thank for even us being able to date as successfully as we, we were. And so I wanted to be a part of that with you. I feel like there's a huge stigma around therapy too when it comes like men mm -hmm. being like okay let's let's go to therapy yeah. I mean that's huge for you to offer it up when you're dating yeah there's there's definitely a stigma and it's unfortunate because everyone could use it it doesn't really matter if you're going through a difficult time or you're in the world's worst relationship you could be in the world's best relationship and it can only make it better I I call it like heart exercising. Like you need to like just like you need to exercise for your body. It's the same. I'm on the forever plan. I'm never getting off counseling. Like it's like I'm forever in there because I love it. Not in like a addicted to it way. We go, go probably once a month. Mm -hmm. And there's been seasons where we've gone more, and some seasons where we've gone less. But you know, I just feel like it's so good for your heart. You learn so much about yourself. You learn so much about your spouse, and it's really. I just think they give, you know, our counselor in general, she just gives us tools to put in our toolbox so that when things come up, then I'm like, okay, I have a tool to fix this or to work on this. And you're not just standing there with your hands up going, well, shoot, now what? And I think for us walking through our marriage, it's been like so helpful when we've had harder things come up to be like, okay, well, we can handle this. 
So the proposal. Yes. Ashley, did you know it was coming? Yeah. I did know it was coming. I didn't know he was going to propose that day because we had designed an engagement ring together. And so he knew that I needed kind of like to take it one step at a time. So we kind of talked about everything, but that's the one thing we never talked about. So I didn't know it was coming. Well, I did know it was coming. I just didn't know. I was unprepared that day. (laughs) And your ring, obviously our listeners can't see it. Yes. It's my favorite ring in the world. You're so kind. It's mine too. Well, yeah, I hope so. (laughs) Can you talk about what it was like shopping for a ring together and what you wanted? One, I'm really glad that we did this together. I think it's just such a daunting experience trying to pick a giant stone and, and put all those pieces together and really hope that that someone loves it. So anyway, I was glad for the help. But yeah, you had a you found a really great inspiration picture on Pinterest. Yeah, we saw this. We knew we wanted something different because we just everything about us felt different. And mm-hmm. so I just wanted something super different. And I didn't know what that was. And so we kept we searched on Pinterest for a while. And we came across this, this estate piece that was like, had sold somewhere, I think Christie's or something. You know, it was very fancy. <laughs> this is a state piece, and it was an aquamarine center stone with like a, with side baguettes that have more of like an Art Deco vibe. And as soon as we both saw it, we were like, that's it. That's what we want. And so I actually took the photo and sketched it out, and we brought it to a local jeweler, and they were like, oh, yeah, we're up for this challenge. So it was fun. It was like a two-and-a-half-month process, maybe three-month process. Mm-hmm. It was re- We really enjoyed that. It was actually like, it was nice to take. We almost felt like you're taking it one step at a time because you really were taking, the ring felt like one little baby step at a time because we'd meet with the jeweler like once every two weeks to see a new part. So that was really nice for me. Yeah, I agree. It, it was nice to have a, a ring that kind of matched the uniqueness of our story and— and feel like it was something that we had truly collaborated on. Kind of our first really big project pre-marriage collaboration. <laughs> the first of many. Yes. So it's time to propose. Yeah, time to propose. How does that go down? I knew that she wanted a private engagement. So I I set out to put that together and um, kind of had my eye on this really great spot in Orlando, right on this lake. Lake Barry is the lake. And it's this beautiful lake in a private neighborhood that very few people, I think, have discovered, mostly because it's private. And we probably shouldn't have even have been there the first time we went. But uh, we love this place. It's where we first said, I love you. And so it had a lot of sentimental value to us. And We used to sneak in after, like, dinners. Yeah. Like, we'd, <laughs> we'd go a, to dinner and then take we'd— Take a bottle of champagne. Yeah, we'd sneak into this, like, private neighborhood and go sit on the dock. I had set up for that night for Ashley and I to double date with her— sister and brother-in-law. And so we were going to go grab sushi. And so I just kind of made it look like, you know, just a, just a normal double date. And of course her sister and brother-in-law were in on the secret. And yeah, I went and came home from work. I went back to her house to pick her up that night. And I was not ready. She was in sweatpants. <laughs> it shows she was home and dirty hair and no makeup. <laughs> and I was pretty cranky. <laughs> she was very cranky. And, um, I, I know part of it, I think, was you thinking, when is he going to propose? No, no. I, I really, truly, I was no? having a bad, like, just work. I woke up. You know when you, like, get a bad email the first thing in the morning? It was like that, where then you just don't have time to, like, the whole day just kind of unraveled. And I didn't have time to even, like, shower 
<laughs> you know, like do anything besides it's on my laptop for like 12 hours. Literally. And then you showed up and I was like, can we just order something? Do we have to go out? No, we have to go. And <laughs> are you sure you want to wear that? Do you want to wear anything nicer? <laughs> um, and, and then I was like, are you being serious right now? You don't like this hoodie? <laughs> I've had it since like eighth grade. But you changed and you look great. And so we... We go out to dinner and have a really amazing dinner, and we had plans to go get dessert so that it would be dark enough for everything that I'd had, you know, my friends set up down at the dock, the lights and things like that to really have the most uh, impact. And so as we're walking out from dinner to grab dessert— The heavens open up. Literally, it's like the storm of the century rolled. I've never seen it, anything like it. It, hasn't, it hadn't rained like that and stormed like that in ages. And we live I'm in talking, Florida, so like we're we are one with the hurricane, and yeah. it was unlike anything I've ever seen. It's lightning, thunder, literally just nonstop, and it's it's like it's not like the heat lightning in the sky. I mean, this is this is touching down. Like probably there were probably funnel clouds and tornadoes around too. But meanwhile, my friends Brad and Casey are out on this dock that's about two hundred feet. So much <laughs> we do, we do. It's about two hundred feet out into the lake, and so they. They're out there stuck. And I keep running. You know, we'd gone. Terrified. We'd gone to the dessert place and, and I'm in the bathroom texting with Brad. And I come back out and, and Ashley's giving me a hard time and, and asking me if, why, why do you like keep running away? I'm the villain in the story, by the way. Are, are you reading the news in yeah. the bathroom? Like, or are what are you, you doing in there? Are you scrolling through Instagram? Like, what, what's the deal? You keep leaving. Like, we're on this double date that you made me go on. <laughs> Why are you participating? But honestly, at that point for me, it's just, it's so fun to know that she's a little bit bothered by it. Because, I, I, you know, I still have in my mind that this proposal is going to work. And it did. We had to make two other stops. We went to another dessert place and got coffee. And then we went like the longest double date. We kept like having different like activities to try to like. And we went to we got a beer at a at a bar next door, and so literally we're waiting around. The just storm kind of, to stop. Yeah, so the storm finally stops, and we start driving home, so to speak. And or, or Ashley thinks we're driving home, and she calls her mom and she's just chit chatting with her mom. I'm the worst date ever. <laughs> this is terrible. Which was We're perfect start... for me because yeah. well, it let me just right. drive straight to the place. And then you get off the phone and I say, hey, I just thought it would be fun to go to our, go to our favorite place. place. And um, and you were really down with the idea. I thought she was going to say, no, it's too hot, too humid. It just got done storming. We're not going out there. But you were into it. and Let's go. It was my favorite place, too. I love when we would do that. Yeah. So we start our 200-foot journey down uh, down to the end of the dock. Yes, and as you as we're walking down into the dock, there's luminaries like lining the dock, and I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, Ryan, we're getting ready to walk onto someone's a proposal." I mean, it's honestly even what I said is like someone's proposing somebody out there. They're having like a private dinner. Like we, this is someone else's like private. <laughs> no, gazifo. it's fine. Let's just go. Let's yeah, at least go see what they're up to. And I'm like, this is terrible. This is so bad. We're gonna get caught. I'm thinking like we're going to jail. All these things, and you're, like, pulling me down, and then can we kind of round the corner? Because, I mean, the luminaries came all the way up, that whole way that you had made, which is, like, the sweetest. And then we go out there, and the whole dock is lit up with twinkle lights, and there's flowers everywhere, and there's candles everywhere, and there's music and the whole thing. And I instantly, like, once I realize it, I turn my head to Ryan and look at him, and he is, like, has tears in his eyes. 
and is smiling so big that I instantly burst into like not cute tears. Like the hysteric—he's laughing because it's so true. I mean, like not cute tears, hysterically crying because then I know it's happening. And we're both standing there shaking and crying. And then you get down on one knee. And I was crying so hard that I made, was like, stop, stop, stop. Because I wanted to hear every single word that he was going to say. And I couldn't because I was crying so hard. And so his poor face, he was like, wait, what? Like, stop. And I was like, no, no, just not stop. Just hold on. Hold, please. Let me just get my act together. And then I'm ready. And then you proposed. And it was so sweet. And my sister and brother-in-law came running down the dock. And Brad and Casey were there. And we all toasted champagne. It was really sweet. It was a very That's good, a good day. It's the best proposal. I love it. It was yeah, the best. It started out rough, but it ended better than I could have ever imagined. Yeah, it was great. So you're engaged, and yeah. it's time to plan a wedding. Yes. How does that go? It's fast. <laughs> really fast. It's perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. I wanted to elope, and you wanted family there. Yes. So we combined our ideas, and we had 22 people. We planned a dinner party pretty much yeah. at our very, very favorite place called the Oxford Exchange in Tampa. And we went there and we said, hi, we are, we want to get married here. And the lady goes, okay, great. And she was like looking at 2015 dates. And this is in 2014 spring. Mm-hmm. And so this is this, this was what you proposed in August. And we're like, we're at the Oxford Exchange. We're meeting with the people. And we said, we'd love to get married here. And she goes, okay, great. So spring 2015. And Ryan goes, no, 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 2014. And she goes, this year? And we're like, yeah, 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 this year. And she goes, well, we only have like a couple dates open this year. And she goes, one is in three weeks. And Ryan goes, we'll take it. (laughs) And that was it. I ordered seven dresses from Nordstrom. And I was like, one of these is going to fit. And one of them fit great. You had a suit. Your dad is a former pastor, so he married us. Ashley's dad is a photographer, so he he didn't shoot the wedding, but he lined up a photographer who could only be with us on the day that we had chosen. It was his only opening the entire fall. And my sister is a former pastry chef, so she made the cake. My mom and I did the flowers. Mm -hmm. And we had Ryan's siblings and their spouses, mom and dad. My mom and dad and my sister and her husband and our counselor and her husband. And that was it. It was like the sweetest night ever. I cried that night too. Everywhere. <laughs> we, all. <laughs> we all. Everyone ugly cried. Ugly tears or cute tears? Uh, ugly tears. At one point, my mom's like, Ashley, all these pictures. I mean, seriously, my face is so puffy. Yeah, we were. I cried. I mean, my wedding dress had makeup on it because I cried so much and even the photographer said like all these photos are like the many faces of Ashley and like all different tears but it was the best I wouldn't have wanted any other way and my face was just a giant smile ear to ear (laughs) the entire time it was plastered on my face yeah it was the best day you married your dream girl I did at long last (laughs) so married life yes you guys have been married for Five years? Four and a half. Yeah. What was the first year of marriage like for you? It was so wonderful. It really was. It really was wonderful. It was was super hard, but it was, and I say super hard as in, it was just another phase for me, honestly. I think for you, it's like first year of marriage and 
still in that learning to trust phase and being married, I think, up to the ante. Because oh, for sure. Now you have to trust and and it probably felt like the stakes were so much higher. Yeah, it just it took me a little bit, but it was so great. Our first couple of years of marriage were so I mean, even all of our years have been so great, but it was it was wonderful. 2018 rolls around, and I actually visited you guys. Yes, in March of 2018. So much my has husband happened. And I stayed with you guys. Yeah, that was a so lot. fun. That was the best sleepover ever. It was so fun. We watched the Oscars. Yes, we made the boys pizza. made pizzas. Yes, and a bonfire. Mm-hmm. We drank rosé. Yeah, you whiskey. and I drank wine, and the boys cooked. <laughs> yes, it was the best <laughs> night. It's how every night should be. And I remember. Ashley, we were sitting on the couch, and you were like, Ryan, I want brownies with edges. <laughs> just got up and made them. <laughs> the best. He's the best. I did really, I promise you I don't boss him around, but when I, like, make large comments like that, he's always like, okay. <laughs> well, you want brownies. I'm going to make brownies all day. It's my favorite dessert. <laughs> and we compliment each other because I like the center brownie. No, I like, like the, the edge brownie. So it's really perfect. That's a perfect marriage. I know. It's the <laughs> it perfect <is>. match. <laughs> we visited you and. The spring of 2018, but then can you talk about what happened after that? 2018 didn't quite go as expected for for either of us. None of our years have gone as expected. <laughs> no, no. It, you know, I had been having trouble sleeping at night and really breathing while I slept. And so we thought, is it sleep apnea? I knew I had some allergies, but I never diagnosed them or anything like that. And so I just early that year in the spring, I started seeing an ENT. And kind of, I got allergy tested and... Found out he was allergic to everything. Literally. Outside. Every seasonal allergy (laughs) you can have. And we live in Florida, so it's Orlando's, I think, the hottest place on the map for allergies. It's bad. So we found that out and kind of talked about some different options of surgery possibilities to to help me breathe better and talked about starting allergy, allergy drops and things like that. And then... Kind of as an aside, the ENT said, oh, by the way, did you know your tonsils are gigantic? And and I was like, you know, is that what I've been feeling? When I, I literally, I could feel them. But yes. it happened gradually over time, so you just didn't know. Yeah, You're just it, having a hard time breathing at night. And he was like, well, it's probably because your tonsils are so big. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about that. And he said, you know, we can take them out. And so we talked about that. And we literally had like three different options to address my breathing problems. And it just so happened that we felt like going with the tonsillectomy was going to be the the right thing to do. So we did that. Which, by the way, is such a hard surgery. Yeah, it, it's not a surgery to be taken lightly if you're an adult. No, as a kid, you get like an ice cream cone and you go back to school. And as an adult, you're bedridden for like three it, weeks. It's much more difficult. So we geared up for that. We We made that happen, which was hard enough. And then... About two weeks into it, I'm about to go in for my post-op. Ashley's in Nantucket for work. And, you know, so I keep telling her and reassuring her, you know, there's nothing to look out for. And the doctor Um, told me everything was fine. Yeah, there was no signs. But they ran a pathology report after the surgery. And so, but I kept telling Ashley, it's going to be fine. And then they called right, I think, the day before Ashley left for her trip and moved my appointment up and said, the doctor just really wants to see you. And I'm thinking, well, he wants to see me on Thursday instead of Friday because he wants to, you know, get out of town for the weekend. And so I chalk it up to that and I keep promising Ashley it's nothing more than I had like the worst feeling when I left to go to Nantucket. It's like I don't I don't wanna there's I feel weird about it, but 
So, I had to go, so I went. So yeah, I go in and we sit down that day and, you know, it's one of those doctor appointments that you, you never forget. And if you've ever had this diagnosis, you you know, usually the doctor doesn't come in and shoot the breeze with you. He basically comes in with a report in hand and says, here's the deal. And he did. And he told me that the pathology report had come back as positive for Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a form of cancer. Yeah. So Ryan, uh, I just I hated it so much because you were alone at that appointment. And he called me from the parking lot in tears. And I held it together all through that appointment, just yeah. kind of asked a bunch of questions and walking out of there, I just thought, you know, just one more thing I got to deal with. That, that's how I felt. Yeah, you were but so strong. I didn't, I didn't really fall apart until I got in the phone. And then when you have to pick up the phone and call the person you love the most in the world and tell them some really horrible news, honestly, it, that crushed me. I could barely get through a sentence. Yeah, that was a hard day. Yeah. And I was in Nantucket. I was so far away. That was like, and they, everyone was so kind. Everybody got me on the first flight out that I was up there with. And one of my best friends, Carly, was there. And she was like, made sure I was, drank water and had some food and like put me on a plane. And and just everyone was so kind. And it was just the longest flight back to you ever. But I was able to get on the next flight out and come home and just start, start fighting it. That was kind of our, that's just what we did. But he literally, I mean, you had those tears on when you called me, but you you were so strong from, like, that day on. I think you sat in that appointment and were like, okay, okay, I can do this. And obviously when you two met, Ryan, you were such a rock for Ashley for such a long time. And then the roles are reversed a little bit now, and you need her to be your rock sometimes. So... How did you two approach it together as a couple? When we first talked on the phone, I told her, no, stay in Nantucket, finish your business trip. And he's and an course, insane human. <laughs> of course, she didn't do that. But I've always known Ashley to be a fighter. And part of the and one of the big reasons why I think one of the many reasons why I fell in love with her in the first place is knowing that this person is with me through thick and thin and she's going to keep fighting and she does, and she has, and yeah, she was my, she's been my support system this entire time, whether it's telling me, you know, when to take my medicine very forcefully. <laughs> I always say, like, in the hospital, I'm like, I'm trying to win the most valuable wife of the year, <laughs> and I'm trying to also win the most obnoxious wife of the year, and they're like, you're doing such a good job. She does. She, <laughs> she, she's the MVP of my cancer story. I mean, she showed up to every single five-hour chemotherapy treatment, uh, which we had eight of them. Yeah. yeah, you were there for every radiation treatment. You've been through it all, literally. And, and it's not even those treatments. That's the tough part. It's when you go home and have to deal with the aftermath of them. And so, yeah, she's seen me at my most unsexy moments. <laughs> They're all good. But she's been absolutely been my rock. And on those dark days of going through treatment and feeling your absolute worst, what was it that you two found strength from? I would absolutely say our faith. Uh, we're, we're Christians, and so our faith in Jesus. And so we we leaned on him and had an incredible support system through our church as well. And both of our families are, are in town. And so 
immediately we we felt so surrounded and supported, whether it was prayer or meals or just people literally just loving on us. Yeah, just dropping by with groceries as soon as they find out it was Cleaning a real, our house. real thing. Yeah. Just the kindest. That's the thing, you know, that's the thing about cancer or or any kind of diagnosis like this in general. There's a lot of bad. I mean, there really is. There's a lot of of ba- I mean, it's not rainbows and butterflies, obviously. It's really hard, but there's so many good things. And during that season that we're thankfully hopefully no longer in, it's just you don't want to forget like all of the good things that happened. And even though we were very different, I mean, we were not our normal selves of like going out or, you know, going to dinner. He was sick. I mean, really, really sick. And so there was a lot more of chicken noodle soup and sitting on the couch. And for about six months, he couldn't really leave the house because his immune system dropped really low, which meant like we really couldn't go anywhere. No one could come inside the house. So it was a lot of like conversations on the porch I was having with girlfriends would come over with like a bottle of wine and we'd sit on the porch or so it was like a very tough season, but there were it was so much good. And we I felt like we grew so much during that season, don't you think? Well and we had I think wind in our sails from working together. You know, I had left a job a couple of years ago to come work and run a couple of businesses that we had full time. And so she and I had been working in a ten by ten foot office room inside our house for the last several <laughs> years. So if there's anything that builds up your ability to, you know, reach compromise and <laughs> and work well together and really learn each other's strengths and weaknesses, it's that. And so we'd been doing that for over two years. And so when it came to this, one, we knew that we had to keep working because this was our only livelihood was was what we did. We knew that we we had to keep going. And yeah, I just feel like we had already built the foundation to be a really strong team and support for each other. And this was just kind of taking it to the next level, but we felt like we had been well prepared for that. You know, it was technically like the caregiver during this season, but I've said it before and I'll say it a thousand times, like he also took care of me. And when you could, you did. You know, on days that you were feeling better. I mean, little things like here's a, you know, I brought you a cup of coffee in bed or you know, I always knew he was feeling better after chemo when he'd get up before I would, I did. Because I'm always the one who's like, someone's going to drag me out of bed. And so when I, you know, it would be like day eight or nine after chemo, he would get up before I would. And it was just like, I would just lay there and think, thank you. Thank, I, like, he's finally well enough to get out of bed. I mean, that's such a huge—I mean, we're getting ready to go do it again, so it's not all that exciting. But it's still— you know, on those days where you felt better, you were like cooking dinner and working so hard and taking care of me. And I don't know, I just felt like we took turns filling up each other's love tank. And Ashley, your job is kind of in the public eye. Yes. And so when Ryan got his cancer diagnosis, you talked about it openly on your blog and your social media, but it was always a very positive take on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about how you both decided to talk about it and how you worked through communicating that with people? Well, it's funny because, you know, after we get the diagnosis, after we go to the doctors and like have all the conversations and figure out what's going on, we, it becomes very clear that 
you know, I have we have a lifestyle blog, and I'm not sure we can keep up a facade for however long <laughs> this is going to go down. And I'm not I'm not even sure I have it in me, honestly. And so we had we had to have like the decision of do we want to tell this? How do we want to tell it? And how do we want to remember this narrative? And we kind of talked about it for a while, back and forth. And then I just sat down and wrote something and showed it to you. And you just were like, yes, that's what we want to do. So I wanted to make sure, I I say this often, but I, I just really want to do whatever season we're in, wherever our feet are, really, really well. So even if it is in like a not great season, like it has been for us, it's been really hard. But I just don't want to ever look back and say like, gosh, I wish I would have been more graceful, more kind, more hopeful, because it it's a season just like anything, and it will pass. I didn't know how long it was going to take or anything like that. And we had both been through hard times before. I clearly had been through a very difficult thing, and so already, and I just felt like, how you do hard times matter. Like it just matters. And it and it matters for you and it matters for just so many other people. So for me, it was like it mattered for me, but it also mattered for Ryan. And just wanted to look back on this season and be proud of it. And so I thought, let's we both thought, let's start off good. Let's start off on the right foot. We didn't want to be some blog that you go and you just you go read it to feel sad. Or you go read it to feel emotional. We we only wanted hope. And if someone else out there was going through the same thing, we wanted to encourage them to keep up the fight. And wow, how many people are going through the same thing? That was the other crazy thing. Yeah. That we, I put, when we put it out there, I was not prepared for that. Like how, just how many people are, you know, cancer touches everyone. You go through chemo and it's coming to an end. And then you have to have a test to make sure it worked, right? Yeah. I'm not great at the terminology. You're doing good. Dr. Whitney. (laughs) (laughs) I have an MD. (laughs) Towards the end, it seems to be working. And then what happens? So we went in for the third PET scan and, you know, did that, waited three or four days and we're kind of just living it up. We're so excited. We really, like, we're already celebrating. We think we're done. Yeah, we're celebrating the win, and um, we we go in for the doctor appointment, and we're cracking jokes and just enjoying Being life. Silly. And and then the doctor comes in, and for the second time I had heard that year, comes in and says, "Here's the deal." It doesn't look good. Yeah, this isn't good. And it looked the scan. Ugh, that was such a bad day, such a hard day. Um, the scan. It just looked like there was more cancer than there was to begin with and that it had spread. Mm-hmm. And that's what the scan showed. It spread from your neck to your stomach and it from one side of your neck to both sides of your neck. And it just wasn't good. And gosh, I just remember that like it was yesterday. But they rushed us into all these different types of scans, like that night's like stat scans. We went to like... I don't know, four or five doctor's appointments, trying to get Ryan rescanned and do biopsies, all sorts of things, only to find out those are also coming back, like, inconclusive. And what's going through your mind when when you get that news as his partner? I had definitely been scared through this. I mean, I was, super, you know, scared when we found out, and I don't know—like, there's no pretending. I was scared. When this happened, I was— terrified. Like, I couldn't stop shaking. Like, I had that, like, trembly shake for days. 
that's the thing with cancer, especially with ours. It was like, there's no decision to be made. So it's once you know the decision, you have you just do it. So it wasn't like we were going to make a decision if it came back positive. You know, if it came back as cancer, we were just going to move into this next treatment, which the next treatment, I think, is what scared me the most because we had just been through truly hell. I mean, I chemo is horrific. And the next treatment was called ICE, which is sounds terrible, and it is. And it's like chemo on steroids. And he was going to have to be admitted to the hospital every two weeks for at least three days. They would give him this ICE treatment, which is a form of chemo. And then we'd have to watch him until he got stable to bring him home. And then we would do it all over again every two weeks for 18 weeks. And I just, I mean, we would have done it and still will do it if we have to. But won't, I mean, praise Jesus, we don't think we'll ever have to. I just terrified me because I just knew how sick he was during chemo. And I just, I, it's so hard to watch someone you love be in that much pain. And I mean, it's true form of torture. It's just torture. So I was scared. I mean, we knew we were going to have to do something. Your life changes one way or another. Like, that's the thing. It's like you get, they come and tell you like, it could be cancer. It could not be cancer. Well, it's like either way, our whole lives change. Like, it's just crazy. So I mean, I was really scared, but I feel like we both had our moments of being, like, super frightened. But we held it together pretty well because well, we had to wait a month, over a month, because we had to go have surgery. Mm-hmm. So they were, like, the biopsies, the needle biopsies were coming back, not telling us anything. And so we, he had to go have, like, a major neck surgery. It wasn't, like, you know, just some little surgery. It was serious. I mean, we stayed in the hospital. Like, it was a big deal. Yeah, so you have the neck surgery, and then what happens? Yeah, next surgery, and then we we wait. wait. Um, <laughs> All we do is wait. <laughs> we, I think we over this time we developed a little bit of a numbness towards mm-hmm. the whole situation. You know, we we thought we were at the end of it, and then it was like getting to the end of this marathon where you've run twenty six miles, but then someone says, "Oh no, you signed up for the what do they call those the." The super marathon or what's like a ultra marathon? Ultra I don't marathon. know. The only marathons I do are TV. <laughs> <laughs> Not the person to ask. Netflix. Yeah. So I. We were weary. We were weary. Exhausted. But at that point, all you do is you just keep going, and so we did. We waited, and we fortunately the results came back benign for all of the the lymph nodes that they took out of my neck, which were a bunch, and they tested it for everything you can imagine and and everything came back negative. So we were thrilled at that news. And then we go in and we finally are getting ready to start radiation. And uh, we get in there and our radiation oncologist says, look, I think you guys should go get a second opinion and go to this specialist center over in Tampa. And so we just like, you know, again, it's like, wow, we thought we were going to do this two, Uh, two weeks of treatment and be done. And then we, so we have another month to wait. And it was so hard. Yes. Cause then you're like, okay, well, our, you know, the, it comes back clear. And so we're so excited and we celebrate. And then everyone's like, let's just do one more check. And then you go back to square one again. You can't argue with, with the highly trained oncologist telling you to go get a second opinion. I mean, like, you can't argue with that. And we're so thankful we did. Cause yeah. we feel really good about yeah. it. Yeah. So after Christmas, 
It's been over a month. We go to Moffitt, which is like a cancer institute, and we get the all clear from them to start radiation, which was just such a great day. They were like, we concur with all this information. So they just think it was a fluke. The PET scan, that third PET scan was a fluke. Yep. Which can happen. Which can happen. Mm -hmm. And can't believe it did happen, but it did. So it's a fluke. So then we started radiation the 10th of January, and we did 10 straight days. And those were hard days. They were hard days. We were not prepared for how hard that was, but we did it. He did it. So we always end the podcast by talking to our guests about their marriage advice. Mm-hmm. And you guys have been through. We've been through it. The ringer. <laughs> so what advice do you have for couples going through any hard times? I think my one of my big things is just to be to realize that you're on the same team. Even if one of you is pulling more weight at one point, there have been times where Ryan's really held us together and vice versa, just to know that you're on the same team and you're always fighting for the same thing. And I think that's really helped us to always know that, like, you know, for me, it wasn't he got diagnosed with cancer. It was we got diagnosed with cancer. Or for him, I think when I was, you know, we started dating, you didn't think of it as my issue of having trust issues. He thought of it as our issue. And I think we've always just tried to function as a team. On top of that, I would say somebody gave some advice, and I'll probably butcher the way they said it, but when you're having a hard time sort of taking the next step or trying to figure out what the right thing is to do in a relationship in the middle of a fight um, or a disagreement. Because we have those. We do. (laughs) We have a lot of those. Yeah, we do. That's a whole other podcast. I think we argued on the way here, did we not? (laughs) Yeah. Of course. Um, but it's the idea that your heart follows your actions many times. And, and so even if you may not always feel it, but that's what love is, is kind of pulling those things out of yourself that you know are right, that you know are true and and doing those things and taking the first step. And whether that's making the first apology, even if you're not 100% convinced that you should be making an apology at all, you make that first apology. And, <laughs> and then you say, what are you apologizing for? <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> but but so many times, if you if you can make that commitment to loving each other well in those moments of disagreement or anger or whatever they may be and kind of taking that first step and taking that action – your heart usually follows and your heart softens. And and that's been something that we've tried to just practice every time we have a disagreement and we don't always get it right. But so many times we'll have an argument and I'll come back to my desk and there'll be a post-it. Just a simple love note from Ashley. And I'll just say like, I don't like you, but I love you. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Or, you know, sometimes your heart follows your actions and, and you just have to put that first foot forward. And do the right thing. Yeah. It's good. It's good advice. Thank you both so much for coming in. I appreciate it. So stick around because in just a moment, we'll hear from you and what your best tips are for building a marriage that lasts. XOXO is a podcast produced by The Knot, the nation's leading wedding planning app, offering a seamless all-in-one planning experience. 
from finding inspiration and local vendors to creating your registry and managing all your guest experiences like digital RSVPs and photo sharing. The Knot was founded on the mission of helping every couple plan their wedding, regardless of their style, budget, location, culture, or who they choose to marry. For more than 20 years, The Knot has helped empower 25 million couples and counting to plan their perfect celebration. If you're planning a wedding, be sure to download the Knot Wedding Planner app. It's available for all mobile devices. Now, a word from our listeners. Hi, Jen and Dan from New York here. We've been married for two years, and our best advice for a happy life together is to always make time to go on special adventures together. Joe from St. Louis shares his marriage advice with us. Joe writes, Always remember that you can only give love. You cannot take love. Focus on what you can give to your marriage and not on what you can take from it. If you're programmed to receive, you will never be happy. But if you're programmed to give, you can be happy anytime you want. Thanks for tuning in to XOXO by The Knot. If you have a comment about our show, tips for making your own traditions, or marriage advice you want to share on air, email us at xoxo at thenot.com. And you can connect with us on social. I'm over there. Search our handle at The Knot. And you can find us on the web at thenot.com. We'll be back next week, so be sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks to our producer, Lauren Nolan, with assistance from Emily Berman. This podcast was recorded in New York City at the Hangar Studios.